You're listening to the Maximum Advisor Podcast, a show that empowers financial advisors to set goals, take action, and grow their practice. Your host, Chip Munn, is an award-winning advisor and CEO whose advice is regularly featured in Business Insider, Thrive Global, and The Streets Retirement Daily. Listen in as he sits down with industry experts to talk about building a practice and making an impact. Welcome back to Maximum Advisor. I'm your host, Chip Munn, and today I'm with Matt Halloran. Matt is the CEO and the voice of Top Advisor Marketing. He's also one of the hosts of the Top Advisor Marketing Podcast. Matt, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So, Matt, for any of our listeners who haven't heard your show, and I can't imagine there are many, tell us a little bit about you, about your program, and how you got here. Well, first off, I started doing radio when I was 13. My high school had a radio station and I absolutely fell in love with it. And my director said, you need to find something else to do for a living because you're never going to make any money off of this. And I was stubborn. I did radio in college and lots of bouncing around, lots of different careers. I've actually never been a financial advisor. I do hold an insurance life and health license uh, and annuities just for friends and family, but I... uh, I'm actually a therapist by training. And that's how I got into it. I started working with a a guy who everybody knows. His name's Ron Carson. And I was one of his top coaches for a number of years, especially during 0809, which is when I cut my teeth. And then I went out on my own after I published my first book, The Social Media Handbook for Financial Advisors. And two years ago, I partnered with Kirk Lowe, who is a branding and marketing genius. And we created Top Advisor Marketing. And kind of that's how I got to being in front of you right now. So I've got to ask, being a therapist, uh, definitely appropriate for this line of work. How did you make that transition? Well, it wasn't easy because uh, first off, um, I had my master's degree actually as a life coach, as a master's program and a therapist. I applied to work for PEAK, which is what it was called back then. I don't know what it's called now. Ron Carson's coaching program. I applied over and over and over again. I was calling them, look, I can do this. I can coach anybody at any time. They kept turning me down. I had no financial services experience. And everybody on the team at that time was an advisor. Uh, they had been an advisor. They were an operations person. Like our number two, Amy, was a, was like this amazing operations person. Greg had his licenses. He had worked in offices before. So what happened was I finally convinced Laura Pearson, who was the greatest boss I ever had in my life, to let me meet with Ron for 15 minutes. So I went to Dillard's and I bought the most expensive suit I could afford. And I showed up and I sat down across from Ron and he said, you're being very persistent, which I found out was something he liked, by the way. And I said, look, I can coach anybody on anything at any time. And he said, well, you don't have any financial services experience. I said, look, here's the deal. For the first three months, pay me half of what you're paying everybody else. And I promise you within six months, I'll be your best coach. And Ron was like, Okay, this guy's got some cojones, right? So he gave me a shot. And then probably about nine months after I was working there, man, I was speaking with Ron all over the country and it was a magnificent experience. Yeah, I can imagine. It's one of those things that to work in this business, you have to have a lot of persistence. And I would have to think that Ron had a lot of respect for that. You know, it's not easy. And yeah, I'm a big Clemson Tigers fan. And so I'm convinced that, you know, our coach now makes... I don't know, seven or eight million dollars a year. And his his first 
contract, I think, was for seven hundred grand, and the only way he could make any more money was to win football games. And so I think it says a lot, and I think that it has obviously worked out incredibly well for you now. So you and Kirk, you host a podcast, Top Advisor Marketing, uh, for, mm-hmm. for anybody who hasn't heard it, I highly recommend it. But one of the things that you all have been talking about recently is the idea, and I think you even coined the term, about becoming what you guys call a micro-influencer. What is that? Well, a micro-influencer is a person who owns a specific niche in a specific region with a specific area of expertise. We started off by calling everybody an influencer, and we found out very quickly that that's too big. For a lot of people, they didn't want to truly be an influencer. They really just wanted to be a micro-influencer in their their specific region, whether that's hyper-local, local, or regional. So a micro-influencer is a person, and they really do need to have a niche. That's so important today because if you, the stronger niche you have, uh, the more expertise you have in that niche, the larger your audience can be. And that's what our goal is. Our goal is to basically accelerate your ability to be known as that guy, and I'm air quoting on a podcast, but that guy, whether it's you work with nurse anesthetists or you work with radiological oncologists or small business people in landscaping, we, we have clients who do all of these things. Once you have that niche and you know their language and you know how to communicate to them and you know their needs, you can become that advisor really nationwide. So I would have to imagine then that's part of the reason that somebody like me would consider it to be important is because you can expand it. You said something that seems counterintuitive, right? Is that the narrower you make your niche, and I'm glad to know you're a niche guy, not a niche guy, because I'm a niche guy. And so if you talk to my Canadian partner, it's niche, but that's okay. Keep going. But the narrower you make it, the bigger you can make your audience. Now, is that because of scalability? Is that because you are reaching, I guess, a thinner slice of a bigger overall audience? How does that work? That's a wonderful question. How I would answer that would be, the more specific you can be, the better your marketing is going to be. It's that simple. I was just speaking right before all of this happened at a conference in San Diego. And I asked if, you know, how many of you have a niche? And of course, everybody raises their hand. I said, okay, keep your hands up. How many of you think your niche is women? And, and I said, okay, put your hand down. And then I said, how many people think their niche is working with retiring people? And, you know, and I told them to put their hands down. And then I started asking more and more questions, but you can't have a niche of 51% of the population, okay? And you also can't have a niche of 10,000 people retiring every day. You have to be hyper, hyper specific. And when you are that specific, that's when your marketing material just screams to that audience. And when you're screaming to that audience, it's really easy for them to listen. It's almost like dialing in to the radio station they're already on. I I had somebody say one time, you know, that everybody's favorite radio station is WIFM was in it for me. And I think that, you know, you're speaking exactly to that concept. Mm -hmm. So for an advisor who hasn't done a ton of marketing course, I had an opportunity to talk to Michael Kitsis about content marketing. And when it comes to becoming a micro influencer, what in your kind of mind is required to become that, to develop that niche? 
I believe it's a passion. You have to have a very strong passion to help a very specific group of people. And it's easy to uncover it. I believe that going through our discovery process, you will find out what your niche already is. Because the question is, for all of your listeners, who are your favorite people to work with? And whether it could be quantifiable or qualifiable, it doesn't matter. Quantifiable is easier from a marketing perspective, but qualifiable, if your favorite people are spiritual family-based people who live in Southern South Carolina, who love to boat, and who generally are small business people, man, that's a hell of a podcast, right? Because you know all of the hot points of these people. When you look at your top 50 clients and you tease out what makes them your top 50 clients, it can't just be assets under management. If it is, then you're missing the whole point of what you do for a living, in my opinion. It's about what you do to help those people. And so it's not just demographics. It's almost more of a sociographic or a psychographic. That's correct. Yeah, it's interesting because I, I don't know that we really segment a lot of times in that way. I, I think that it's interesting to me because it sounds like your discovery process kind of takes folks into a different level of paying attention. Because as you were talking, I'm thinking about my clients and wondering in my head what that thread is for all of my top folks, because they're not all business owners, they're not all doctors, but they are all, I guess in my case, people who believe there's more to life than money. And there's a name for a podcast right there, there right? And people are going to search for that. And so therefore with the appropriate narrative and the appropriate summary and the appropriate keywords and hashtags, people will find that podcast. So when you all work with somebody and you've gone through the discovery process, you have determined, you know, what that niche is, you know, folks who live in Southern South Carolina who are faith and family based who like boating. What then, how do you begin the process or what goes into the process of becoming a micro influencer for reaching out to those people? What do I have to be able to do? Well, you have to be willing to hyper-focus your communication. And the willingness, honestly, man, that's the thing that we have the biggest issue with with a lot of our clients is they're afraid that they're going to ostracize or outcast some of the people that they normally would talk to. So that's step number one. Number two, you let us do what we do, which is we're going to brand the podcast. We're going to come up with all of the communication pieces surrounding that, including optimizing your LinkedIn profile so that it actually talks about, you know, Southern South Carolina people. We're going to put very specific keywords in your LinkedIn summary. We create a nurturing campaign. And then we ask you the next level questions. And this is where your work needs to come in. We ask you not just, again, the psychographics, but the demographics. And then we build a Boolean algorithm through LinkedIn Sales Navigator that's proprietary to our company that will start finding those people for you. And then we have a whole nurture sequence that goes through that to start teasing those people. And when those people start accepting your connection requests, then we're going to drive them to your podcast, which again, talks to them directly. I stopped coaching. In fact, the, the most widely shared thing I ever did on LinkedIn was an open letter on why I quit coaching. Because I coached for a really long time. And the biggest thing was assholes, right? Uh, I'm not swearing there. I just want to make sure. But so many people would pay me a lot of money for my advice and then not follow my advice and then blame me for not having the success. 
And so when Kirk and I built this whole micro-influencer program, we decided, what can we do to do as much of the work as we can? You guys are busy. Most of you are terrible marketers. Let us do what we do well, which is what you ask of, surprisingly enough, all your clients, right? So it's like three hours of your time a month to do the two podcasts, all of the nurture, all of the communication. We actually create social media posts based off of that content that's going to talk right to that niche audience. So for somebody like me who wanted to do that, one of our listeners, you all are like pressing the easy button on, oh, yeah. it sounds like, a podcast, on social media, on working through LinkedIn. You guys do all those different things. And with the podcast, one of the things that interested me was that for your clients, you actually interview them. They don't have to do what I'm doing and, and host the podcast and ask the questions. That's part of that done for you on, on your part. Am I right? That is correct. Before you ever hit record with our podcasting system, with our whole micro-influencer system, you're going to have about eight podcast topics ready to go. That way, the advisor shows up. We have a, our voice talents are pretty amazing. We've got a gentleman who's been coaching for about 15 years in financial services. He's one of our voice talents. His name's Eric. And then we've got Patrice Sikora. She was a Bloomberg radio reporter for 40 years. And so these people know the industry. They ask the questions. They keep the podcast going. They help you keep your energy up. They do some coaching on the front end and on the back end. And then after that podcast is done, It goes through our post-production. We do a professional custom written intro and outro for you. It's about as turnkey and easy button as you could ever possibly do. Now, there is some work. Like, you have to communicate back to us. If I send you music, so you say you want upbeat, happy music underneath the professionally custom written voiceover I'll work for your intro and outro, and it takes you six weeks to tell me what sort of music that you want, again, I can't really do much about that. Um, if you don't submit things to compliance on a timely manner, because we can't submit on your behalf, then I'm going to hot poker you. I can understand that. And listen, for what it's worth, uh, I can understand advisors being a little bit slow to deal with podcasts and the compliance department. I, I know that you guys have, but you do do a lot of work to make it easier on folks with the compliance department. Yeah, we have a whole page dedicated on our website for compliance departments. You can basically just send them the link to our uh, site. There's audio there. There's a webinar that Lisa and I did. Lisa's our chief operating officer. All of the different places that we syndicate to, all of the different compliance departments that we've already worked with. So we've worked with some of the most difficult compliance departments that are out there and we've gotten our stuff pushed through. So you can't really use compliance as a reason not to podcast. I want to back up real quick. Because you said something that I, I think I missed and I didn't answer very well. Podcasting is our entry point to being a micro-influencer. It's your thought leadership that we're gaining. We're getting that into what we refer to as that single point of entry. But there's a guy, there's a bunch of guys out there actually. But Simon Sinek is a good example. You know, he did one TED Talk and turned that one TED Talk into 8 million pieces of content. Gary Vanderchuk's another good example of that, that we've taken those models for advisors. I just take the words that come out of your mouth and I turn them into lots and lots of social media posts. And it's all pre-approved compliance stuff. So after compliance approves the stuff, we just take snippets of it and put it out all over social media, which 
by the way, social media and Google likes a lot more because it's your thought leadership. You're not repurposing that market commentary, which by the way, most of you hate it when the market commentaries go out because then your clients always call you and ask you what's going on in the market. And most of you are financial planners and don't want to talk about the market because heck, you can't control that. But for some reason, all of your communications about the market uh, doesn't really make a lot of sense. We, we do not have our clients talk about the market at all. You're really not supposed to talk about it. You're supposed to talk about life. It's been successful for us in exactly what you're saying, which is being able to share something that comes from you. Anybody who's been in this business for any period of time, or frankly, anybody who's been on earth for any period of time has something that they can talk about naturally. And I think that what it does, at least in my experience, and I'd be curious as to kind of how you all accelerate that is that, you know, what you're not is somebody who's sharing your broker dealers. I'm friends with a lot of folks who work at my former broker dealer. And on Tuesdays, I'll see seven of the same social media posts. And yep. that's the last thing I think most of us want. It, we, we deal enough with that sea of sameness as it is. I think that being able to create your own, I think the word of thought leader makes people nervous. I mean, or, or that imposter syndrome kind of kicks in. And so what do you see as being some of the bigger struggles for folks who are trying to embrace We'll start with podcasting as that single point of entry. What's the hardest thing or, or some of the hardest things for advisors to, to kind of get through or get over? What am I going to talk about? That's the question that I hear all the time. We've got a three-part system. The first part of the system is you getting your thought leadership in the can, right? What you're talking about, what makes you unique and different as an advisor, whether it's your planning process, the way that you educate your clients, any of those things. So that's usually the first eight to 12 podcasts, so about a year of podcast. And then phase two is when you start taking control of the media in your community. I'm sure you know this, but here's the deal. Local media is dead, right? The way that local media became not dead was newspapers, right? And then it became radio and then TV. And then it went, and it went away. Now, you have the, as the advisor, has the opportunity to be in control of your local media and podcasting can do that for you. So in phase two, that's when you're going to start interviewing your centers of influences, your ideal clients who aren't clients yet. And we've got a whole system built around this. And then the last part of it is what we refer to as the lifestyle podcasts. That's where you're really going to start getting the attention of your ideal client. So let's say, uh, and this just happened earlier today, I've got a client who's a huge yoga guy. And one of his podcasts is he's going to interview his yoga instructor. That yoga instructor is going to share that podcast with every one of their yoga students, right? And that advisor is going to have exposure. They're not talking about finance, by the way. They're talking about freaking yoga, right? But all of a sudden, the yoga and this guy, and oh my God, I've seen that guy before. And I didn't know he was a financial advisor. And while he really you know, he asked some really good questions to the yoga instructor and how it changed his life. That's how people are going to start building business with you. The greatest thing about podcasting is it allows you to build a relationship with somebody before they've ever seen you because podcasting is wildly intimate. You and I are sitting here with headphones on, with a microphone. My voice is going directly into your brain, right? The way that we react to auditory stimulus is wildly intimate. 
And if you use that to your advantage in a very positive way to influence people, that's the power of podcasting. Man. I think that it's obvious that it's a growing medium. I, I don't know that you have the numbers. I don't have them offhand, but it's something that I have seen steadily grow over the last, really even the last two years. It, it seems to be on almost a hockey stick. What do you think, Matt, for an advisor who says, you know, I haven't done one before now, it's 2020, it's too late? It's not too late. Uh, it's never too late, but there are people ahead of you. So you have to understand that. So Michael Kitsis has done hundreds of podcasts. You know, you've done what you said, 20 or 30, right? We've done 250. We publish about 100 podcasts for advisors a month. All of those advisors are ahead of you because as a podcast consumer, I love it when you've done 600 episodes because I'm going to binge listen. Come on, man. This is just another medium of binging. And if you only have a few podcasts in the can, then, then your ability to binge. Ours is momentum marketing. And I really need to be very clear. This isn't like this magic wand where you sign up for podcasting, you're going to get clients. That's not how it works. In fact, that's not marketing at all. That's buying leads. But if you're willing to put in the time and build your momentum, people come in pre-sold. In fact, do you mind if I share a quick story from one of our clients? No, please. So he had been trying to get these people to follow up after he did a workshop. Email, 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 phone call, phone call, phone call, nothing, nothing, nothing. And then he sent an email out and said, hey, you know what? I'd like for you to listen to my podcast. It was an all call to all of his prospects. I'd like you to listen to my podcast. I don't sell anything. It's just for you to get to know who I am in the privacy of your own home. By the way, when's the last time you were invited into your prospects' homes, right? Without being the weird Edward Jones, you know, door knocker guy. And so what ended up happening was it was about four weeks later and he gets this call and it's these prospects. And they're like, hey, we're ready to come in and sign up for the paperwork. And he's like, what are you talking about? Well, we, we listen to your podcast. We thought this was who you were, but you know, workshops are kind of salesy and you know, there were a lot of other people around. We didn't really, it wasn't time for us to set an appointment. And, and they came in, walked in and he starts going through their spe his spiel. And they're like, no, we don't need your spiel. We heard your spiel. We got you. We know who you are. You're the financial planner that we've been looking for. We'd like to go ahead and start the process. That is not the only one of those that we've had. People listen to podcasts in their downtime. They listen to them at home. They listen to them in their quiet time. And if you have a good podcast, people are going to listen and then they build that relationship with you. And they're listening because they want to. And it's not interruption. You know, unlike Facebook ads or I know you guys do LinkedIn, but LinkedIn messages, you know, or a TV commercial. Yeah. I'm watching a TV commercial because I have to, but podcasts, on the other hand, I chose either to go to an advisor's website, to click a link. That's one of the other things that I have found. It's very shareable. You know, if you do something that's applicable to somebody's friends or family, it's very easy for them to click a link and share a particular episode and to really engage clients friends, family, you know, centers of influence in a completely different way. And when you come out with a new podcast, if it's syndicated correctly, it'll show up directly on their listening device and they'll have a little notification. That's total push marketing, right? That this is not, you're right. It's, I've accepted you into my world and I am looking for more information. That is how marketing has fundamentally changed. So one of the things 
Matt, that my wife spent 10 years, 11 years in television, and she's been out for about five years now, and not a week goes by that we don't go out to dinner or at the grocery store, and somebody says, I remember you from. My experience has been, I've seen folks from podcasts or heard folks on podcasts or videos, and when I finally decide as a consumer to do business with them, I feel like I know them already. A lot like the grocery store clerk who wants to take a selfie with my wife when she hadn't been on TV in five or six years. But I mean, I've done business with people or interviewed with Michael, for example, and I feel like I know him already. I feel like I know you already. I've listened to probably 200 of your episodes. You feel very familiar. So I think it does cut down the process. And I don't know how, maybe you'll tell us how your process works at the early stages. But what I have seen that seems to be effective is folks who are recording their early episodes about their process or or those kinds of things. And when folks binge listen, they go back to those. So I've come in to listen to you talk about something that interests me. And now I've chosen to go backwards and I get into your process and what the ideal client is for you and, and those kinds of things. It's the ripple effect. We call it the ripple effect. No matter where I throw that stone in the lake, it's going to ripple back to the shore. And that's exactly what happens with podcasting too. I think it's important to point out you guys do a lot of things and I'd like for you to touch on LinkedIn for a minute. But before I do that, just so that I don't forget, I want to point out to our listeners, if you've not done a podcast, it's hard. And so it is a lot to do on your own. And so finding folks like Matt and his team can really shorten the learning curve and make it actually executable. I have the good fortune to have a marketing team who internally who helps with a lot of our production, but it's not something if I was on a smaller team that I would even consider taking on myself. It's not a, you listen to Pat Flynn's podcasting course, and now you're going to plug up a microphone. It doesn't work that way, especially when you get into some of these nuances. Mm -hmm. Matt, before we go, I'd be curious. So you mentioned earlier LinkedIn and that you guys do some Boolean searches. If the podcast is the single point of contact, when you're reaching out to somebody on LinkedIn, is it just to get them to listen to the podcast and again, kind of putting them to use those marketing terms into the funnel, but the podcast is the top of the funnel? It is the top of the funnel. And the reason it's the top of the funnel is that opt-in that we're talking about. And you're also going at these new prospects in a way really nobody else is. So here's what drives me crazy. I have been on LinkedIn so long that I still paid $19 a month for my LinkedIn subscription because I knew it was the place to be 10 years ago. But here's the thing. If you try to connect with me and you send me some really long initial message about how great you are, I delete you because I don't know you. I don't care to know you because you're arrogant and you think that you're the bee's knees. And it's really funny to me because I work with financial services professionals all over the country and I get financial advisors who want to connect with me and they're telling me how great they are. And I'm like, you sound like every other financial advisor. So that's really important. The other thing is, you have to build a relationship. You're not hunting, you're farming. And marketing has fundamentally changed. I have to say this. 
because this is a really important piece. Marketing has fundamentally changed. You have to market to your ideal client and prospect in the medium they prefer while they're there. We know that people on LinkedIn listen to podcasts. We know that your ideal clientship are people who are going to listen to podcasts. And if I can lightly place that podcast in front of you by teasing you a little bit and not asking for 30 minutes of your time, which is wildly invasive in this world today, right? If I can get you to just subscribe to my podcast or even listen to a little bit of it, then I'm going to start building that relationship with you. And then in nine to 12 months, which is about how long it takes for this momentum I talked about earlier to really pick up, then all of a sudden you're going to be somewhere and Chip's going to be talking and somebody's going to say, I know that voice. Why do I know that voice? And they're going to walk up to you. Staffings make conferences all the time. Why do I know your voice? I don't know. Do you listen to any podcasts? Oh my God, you're Matt Haller and the guy who does the Top Advisor Marketing Podcast. I've listened to all of your podcasts. And yeah, you know, I'm a little, I, I shake their hand and, you know, kind of, I'm a little bit more of an introvert. I'm really good behind the mic, dude, but that's how this works. And it's a perfect system as far as we're concerned. And so with the LinkedIn connections, it's literally you and I connect and it's not like the guy who sends me meeting requests. And let me tell you a little bit about how we can help advisors get more leads. It's a, hey, I'm Matt. Would really love it if you'd check out my podcast. And then the second message would be, you know, hey, I don't know if you did subscribe to my podcast. Here's a podcast that's applicable to your situation. Because remember, we're hyper-focused and niche, right? And then the third one would be, you know what? We know that people are really busy. And maybe you haven't had a chance to listen to our podcast, but you know, if you just click this button, you can opt in, you can subscribe. I promise you it's worth your time. Then we start getting a little bit more aggressive. Then, and at the end, uh, you know, once we're five to six messages in, Chip, if they don't subscribe, they don't like us, we're done. Bam, boom, you're gone. You're not ready for me yet, right? I, I've got 200 other ones in the can that I'm going to start, you know, pumping this stuff out to. And I would think that if you're interviewing people, because this struck me kind of as you were talking, what better one to send than one of their first connections, right? Yeah, I see where you're connected to Matt. I interviewed him. It was a really interesting story. I thought you might like to listen. Hope you'll check it out. Or if you're a radiological oncologist, like I said earlier, and I send you a podcast about being a radiological oncologist, the probability of you clicking on that's really high because how many people have radiological oncologist podcasts? Very few. Yeah, I certainly would not qualify to do that one. Well, Matt, I think that most of us, I think, consider ourselves to be hunters. And, you know, you get into this business, I did, as a sales job originally, you know, 20 some odd years ago. I think it's interesting that you point out we're farming and not hunting. I think that that's uh, really a, a lot different way to look at it. How long, and you may have touched on this some, financial advisors, in my experience, are not particularly patient people. How long do you find that it takes for this sort of strategy? Because I agree with you, it is definitely a long game. And I guess you'd have to define what payoff means. But what do you guys typically expect in terms of when people start to see results? That's a really loaded question. So I'm just going to preface that by saying that's a totally loaded question, man. But one of the hard aspects of ROI here is client retention. You never measure client retention. 
right? So you have no idea if, you know, people subscribing to your podcast are actually going to stay with you as an advisor. You don't know that. So there's one kind of hidden gem. It takes 12 months, brutally honest, 12 months. Here's the other piece. You don't have to stop hunting. In fact, when we can all go back to running workshops again, this is the perfect workshop companion because here's the deal. There'll be a bunch of people who go to your hunting workshops who aren't going to set an appointment. But if you can get them to subscribe to your podcast while you're there, you're going to drip and you're going to drip and you're going to drip because you know what? People show up to those things not wanting to do business today. For some reason, advisors don't get that. But uh, they, you know, there are a lot of people and heck, it's a Ruth Chris dinner, dude, I'm in, right? But if I continue and if you opt into my podcast and you continue to build that relationship, all of those people, not all of them, a lot of those people who never signed up to come in and have a meeting with you are going to proactively call you and say, hey, I went to you. And this has actually happened to a couple of our clients. Hey, I went to a workshop two years ago and now I need you. And now I know who you are. I've been listening to your podcast. I'd love to come. And who wouldn't want that, right? As a financial advisor, because that's one of the toughest things is that follow up and follow through and you don't want to be salesy and you don't want to harass people. But by having a medium like this that automatically prompts and reminds and on these kinds of things, you're not being salesy. You're just trying to be helpful. And that's the genuine nature that you need to go into podcasting. And that's part of our, we, we do a lot of podcast coaching to make you a great podcaster. And we remind you regularly that you have one time for a call to action. That's the end of the podcast. And that is please subscribe to the podcast or go to our website. We have a free white paper that you can download or something like that. Again, to start filling up that funnel. But if you have the opportunity with all of your sunk costs into a workshop, so you spend $10,000 and you guys know your ROI on this stuff. You're going to get two clients probably, which will pay for the workshop. But what happened to all of those other people who you marketed to? And they showed up and didn't set an appointment. We are that solution, right? We are that perfect solution that's going to hit them on social media, on podcasting, at their leisure, inviting you into their own home. They're going to become clients. That sunk money that you spent there is going to be recouped by working with somebody like us. It's another way to repurpose what you're already doing and get more results out of the money that you're already spending. Well, Matt, we're an action-oriented podcast. It's important to me that our folks be able to leave here and do something. So what would you suggest is one thing that our listeners could do if we sold them on the idea of becoming a micro-influencer? What's one thing they can do today? to get started. Well, first off, we're going to give you a link to download our free white paper. You don't have to put in an email or anything. It's totally free. It will walk you through everything you need to do to start your own podcast. The best thing you can possibly do is start brainstorming podcast topics. So there's number one, grab your yellow pad. Most of you have yellow pads and start writing down and think, what are the questions my clients always ask me? Write those down. Bam, 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 bam. You know, even if it's about fees and stuff you don't want to talk about, market performance, asset allocation, financial planning, any of those things, write all of those down. Then flip that page. And then your second homework piece is going to be start hyper-focusing on what your ideal client is. If you can do those two things, actually, you know what? I would love a chip if everybody signed up, which we can't help everybody. If you just resegmented your book of business the way that we've already talked about with the psychographics instead of just the demographics, that's worth this freaking podcast right there, dude. And then that will hopefully trigger the fact that you need to communicate to those people in a different way. But 
hyper-focused on that, go ahead and start writing some podcast topics out and they'll be able to download the white paper. And what better way, right, to answer those questions you don't really want to answer than with you asking the question and recording it so that when somebody asks you the question, you can just refer them to a already compliance approved opportunity where you said exactly what you wanted to say. Matt, that's awesome advice. I really appreciate you taking time to join us today. It's been great. Thank you for coming on the show. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. And if that sounds like you, you want to figure out how to reach more people, have a bigger influence in your niche, I would encourage you to check out Top Advisor Marketing, check out their podcast, and then also topadvisormarketing.com. Check them out. I think that you'd really get a lot out. If you got a lot out of today's show, I hope that you will go over to wherever it is that you listen to podcasts and rate the show and subscribe if you haven't already. I really enjoyed spending time with you today and learning both about how we can be micro influencers and in my case, hopefully maybe a better podcaster. So enjoy spending time with you. I'll be back at you again in a couple of weeks and I will see you soon. To download what we believe is the single most important marketing, selling, and positioning tool for your practice, go to MaximumAdvisor.com slash scorecard now. Join the conversation in our private Maximum Advisor Facebook group. And subscribe to this show anywhere you listen to podcasts or at MaximumAdvisor.com.